0: Hey guys, what's up? I'm Shema And I'm Tiffany. And you're listening to Chai Tea Party.
1: We are a podcast about the underdogs, the brave, the creative, and the slightly off in the Daisy community.
0: I
2: know. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I'm gonna Say always right, told them, what do you know they want to a it maybe not all of them but i ain't ever care where the models went where to go where the finals is i'm just trying to break the mold for them brown kids maybe show them you could go where you want to dig you ain't got to know it all you just gotta live and okay no mind to what they hollering see where we come from they steal our dreams from us if we don't do it their way they say we'll be nothing and we could be stuntin'. i swear to god we can we could run and swear to y'all we bad cause it don't Yeah, brain trust, dedication, a belief that you make love, and understanding that you might not make much, but you're here for more than what they say. Stay
0: woke. Even if they all choke (laughs) stay (laughs) woke. So far, like 90% of our guests have been the same way, and we relate so much to that. Yeah, actually, so I was
3: listening to your your college dropout once. I don't know, we can talk about this in an episode or something, but I relate to that too. Yeah. I went through like a similar phase my education too um but i guess i don't know the difference is i got back on the horse and Mm -hmm. you guys are figuring out a different way to get back on the
1: horse so yeah and it's cool to see the different perspectives of people like you know or 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 figuring out how we're taking different classes so like we're both in classes still now
3: are we just exactly like eventually you did go back but you found a different way to go back instead of you know doing the full-time thing right um Yeah, and then I went back as well, and I ended up doing, you know, finishing it up, where I left off, um, but I ended up actually doing better and feeling a lot better about it, because Mm -hmm. I had taken that time off, or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I related really hardcore to that episode.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad. And at this point, like, we realize that it's a choice for us to want to go back and what we want to do, instead of, Uh well, everyone else is doing it, so we might as well hop On the bag- bandwagon and hate our lives just like everyone else, you know? Exactly. So, yeah, <laughs> and it does look thing. Like,
3: when I was taking my breakfast, on everybody I went to, um, I went to okay. high school, I had graduated high school with, had already graduated by that point. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, so everybody has a bachelor's degree, they're yep. all like starting their careers, and I, I have nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know?
1: Right. <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: It's so hard. It's so easy to compare yourself, especially when social media is just at our disposal. In, yeah, i every like, financially graduates. dependent, and I
3: didn't have. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah so it was yeah the i really a lot to that and, it's, and it was interesting because i was like i would through the exact same thing mm-hmm. it's just like right now you know it's different
1: mm-hmm. and now but, look at yeah. you like yeah. <laughs> i feel like the people that did that like, there's not anything wrong with it but they're and if they're happy with this that's great but they're the people that work nine to five and then that's it like they have maybe families or do whatever but you see these other people who are honing in on other skills and like you know, being an editor of a magazine, you know, or yeah, or, or doing all these different exactly, things. and that time
3: off let me mm-hmm. kind of you know fall into all these other things that I probably wouldn't have fallen into.
1: Right? Yeah, exactly.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, but okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you can tell I'm an oversharer. Kind of of no, we love it. Yeah, this so.
0: is perfect. <laughs> Today's guest is the definition of a hustler. She is a co-founder and editor-at-large at Brown Girl Magazine. She is a self-taught journalist and has contributed to the Huffington Post. Oh yeah, and
1: she's a doctor. We first met Athia when we approached Brown Girl Magazine about doing a collaboration. We eventually set up a phone call and we talked to Athia, and it was like perfect. There was just a great connection and we had talked to a couple other people about doing partnerships but there was just some great connection like the just the foundation of what her mission was, really connected with ours. And I think that brought together a really great friendship. And so we are very excited to introduce Atia. Hi. Hey. <laughs> okay, so um, one thing we like to ask first is give us a little backstory on where you grew up, um, kind of what your family's like, are they a little more liberal or conservative? And Did you grow up in an environment that was surrounded by a lot of white people? Because right now you're living in the South. Like, you're straight up, like, Mm -hmm. in
0: Texas.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay, so I was born in India, Hyderabad, and then I was about six months old. Uh, My dad was already working in Saudi Arabia at that time. So when I was about six months old, my mom and my older brother finally moved over there. And then that's where, I guess, my first years of childhood happened. Um, I was there until I was nine in Saudi Arabia, and then at nine, we finally got our immigration and we moved to the U.S., mm-hmm. so for the longest time, I really didn't understand how to explain people, because I was from India, mm-hmm. I was Indian, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I didn't know, I didn't really relate to India the way other people relate. it was like a vacation house, We went, mm-hmm. like we went there mm-hmm. every summer and that was it. Right.
1: Um...
3: So, Saudi Arabia was, like, where I was from, but even in Saudi Arabia, I grew up in, like, this bubble because I went to an Indian school, and everybody oh. we knew was Indian Pakistani. Like, I didn't speak Arabic. Mm. Oh. Um, yeah, so it was, it, it was a really weird childhood, but it's a childhood that a lot of people who grew up in Saudi Arabia can relate to So then, I, you know, we came to the U.S. We were, we've been in Houston our whole life. Um,
1: was that, and, like, the biggest culture shock, to go from Saudi Arabia to Texas?
3: You know the thing about culture shock is when you're in culture shock, you don't realize it is a culture shock. <laughs> right. But you're like, no, I'm fine. It's like that meme where like everything's on fire, and you're like, everything's no, fine. Oh yeah, you know? yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I was like, no, I'm okay. I'm doing really okay. And I was nine, ten at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in my fifth grade, it was a a predominantly white. School. so the only brown people in the school were me and my cousins because we were living with my cousins at that time. Okay. Um, and there was probably like one black guy in my class and you know, I was like, Okay, so this is America. Cool. <laughs> it. And I I and I used to be like completely like an extrovert you know, in my school before in Saudi Arabia, and then when I came to America, I became an introvert, because I didn't Mm -hmm. know how to interact with all the other kids, right, I didn't know how they saw me, and how I was supposed to act, like, all those things that Mm -hmm. you go through when you're in a new place, Mm -hmm. so I just used to be quiet, and I used to just watch everybody, and, like, be like, oh, so that's how they're, you know, that's how they talk, or that's how they do this, or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and I remember I was observing a lot in the fifth grade. and then for the sixth grade, we finally moved out of my cousin's house. We moved into an apartment and I switched schools. And for me, I think that was the biggest blessing to have been able to switch schools and like completely start over again. Because now I knew what America was
0: mm-hmm.
3: and I knew I could build my own personality based on that, you know?
1: Right. So you I had could, like a year of to mix period. in my personality
3: with that, right?
1: Yeah. That makes
3: sense. Um, in the sixth grade, the middle school that I ended up going to had a lot of brown people in it. It was very diverse, and I made a lot of friends. Actually, the friends that I made in sixth grade are still my best friends now. Oh, that's <laughs> so, so nice. Yeah, and I mean, these were my two best friends who, like, from the sixth grade, they even came to my wedding in India. Like, these oh, are people who have stuck by me. Yeah,
1: we're melting. So, <laughs> oh,
3: <my laughs> yeah. So that was like, I think for me, that was the biggest benefit to be able to switch schools and completely start over, and then be able to find, you know, other brown people to connect with, Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so that was middle school, and then high school, you know, we moved again, but it was, again, like, the same diverse, dynamic, um, environment, so that was great, and that's why, like, a lot of times, I know on Brown Girl Magazine, we publish a lot of stories about being the only brown person in their, in their town, or, um, having to deal with, you know, white culture, and for me, like, honestly because I had such a diverse environment that I grew up with, I never felt that. I never felt like I used to wear basic clothes to school on Fridays in high school. Oh wow Because I was like, you know what, we can, like who's stopping me? And Hell, then, yeah. I, remember, I remember other girls used to be like, Oh my God, I can't believe you're wearing that I'd be like, why? Like it's not a big deal, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> yeah. And then I remember girls used to talk about like, oh I've never worn basic clothes to the mall. And I'd be like, why? I've done that <laughs> Yeah. <You know? laughs> So I think a lot eventually somewhere along the high school I just grew like a really strong sense of identity like this is who I am and I don't really care what anyone else says, what anyone else says you know that's awesome and yeah and I know that's that's a luxury I know a lot of people don't have that and I don't know where it came from honestly um but I it, it, it helped me at that t- at that time it helped me but then there were also a lot of flaws because. When you're so sure about yourself at a young age and you don't live up to your own expectations later in life, it mm-hmm. seems like really bringing down. Right. Um, so, yeah, it, it did have its downfalls later on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so that's kind of basically what Houston is. I mean, I live in the part of Houston, like, uh, basically on the border of Sugar Land, and I know everybody's heard of Sugar Land. Right, right? Yeah. yeah. Because of the band. <laughs> yeah, everybody has some family there. That's <laughs> <Right. laughs> true. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, it's pretty brown, so... Um, yeah, I've never had to deal with, like, you know, not being around so many brown people or not knowing. Mm-hmm. Like, we have everything here. I live, like, maybe two miles away from World Food, which is, like, this huge warehouse of, like, basic food. Like, anything <laughs> wow. you can think of.
1: Oh, that's amazing.
3: Yeah, so, for me, like, brownness was something that was always there, it, and I guess I took it for granted, but I don't know. I, I, I visit other towns, and people are like, oh, yeah, we drive, like, one hour to go to this like basic restaurant that's so good, and I'm like, I live in Houston. i like, right you
1: know? Yeah. Um, I think we so, all yeah. tend to do that when we're growing up. Like, you don't know how good you have it until you're, you know, ten years later.
3: Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I guess so. I so I graduated high school. I did four years and three years, so I graduated high school at sixteen. Oh wow! And yeah, so. You Know at that what? time, everybody's like, Oh wow, she graduated with 16. Like, it was a pretty big deal. Yeah, everybody yeah, to talk about it. And then I went to University of Houston for a year, and I knew. So, I, th- I guess this is where I relate to your episode about dropping out of college is where you know parents kind of decide your career for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I was always raised being told you're gonna be a doctor, mm-hmm. so I was like, Okay, so you know that's the only thing I can consider at this point. So, I went to U of H, and at that time, my older brother was mcats oh
1: wow! and
3: um it was like i would watch him and i'd be like i can't do that like that's just so mm-hmm. crazy like he would be in the library for six to eight hours at i time studying mm-hmm. um and then i would see like i also saw like the financial burden of my parents because obviously we're grab we don't believe in debt but nobody <laughs> takes loans <laughs> yeah. um and my parents you know paid for all of us. so would be like so I have like eight more years of this like this is crazy I have eight more years and I, I was a freshman in college and this is what I was thinking oh, Wow. Oh and I was like I can't do it I just can't this is just too much and I don't want to put my parents through you know like mm. what is that like a hundred thousand dollars debt I, I don't know like it was crazy just yeah. thinking about all of that and obviously we're a newly immigrant family you know we're not that financially well off to begin with well and you're, um, you're
1: 16 years old at this point yeah like that's so young
3: exactly Exactly, and, like, there was so much that I couldn't do because I was 16, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, my friends would, like, sign up for credit cards or, like, go to this, but you mm. had to be 18 to do all of that, and mm. I was a freshman in high school, and I'd be like, oh, yeah, I can't do that. Right. I can't do that. No, I can't do that. Right. Uh, freshman in college, sorry. Yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, like, I couldn't even drive to U of H because <laughs> I didn't have a car. I had just gotten my license, and, you know, my older brother had a car, but right. I did it. Mm. So I was always, like, bubbing rides from people. Uh, if I had to carpool with my brother, he would go at, like, 6 a.m., come back at 10 p.m. Oh, every single day. Holy cow. And I wasn't going to do that as a freshman. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, it was, I mean, it was just, like, it was a very, like, weird experience. I mean, freshman year of college is for everybody. Mm-hmm. So then I started thinking about, okay, like, what are the alternatives, right? If I really wanted to do medicine, what are the alternatives? And then I started looking around, and so there's like a lot of these schools in there's Europe, there's China, there's Russia, Central Asia. There's a lot of these schools that take students right out of high school, mm-hmm. and then you do like five to six years of medical school, and then you graduate with the an MD. And um, and then the only thing is when you come back to the U.S., you have to take the licensing exams, and so these are licensing exams that you know all medical students even in the U.S. have right. to take. Them. So. Um, it's not really that big of a deal. The only difference is medical schools here train you for these exams, and obviously other countries don't train you for that. Right, yeah. So I was like, okay, maybe that's a good alternative. I could do that. Um, Worst comes to worst, 22, 23, I'll be done with medical school, you know?
1: Which is so So I started looking
3: into that. (laughs) Sorry,
1: say that? It's it's still, like, so young. That's crazy. You know, people are still graduating college at that point, Mm -hmm. if they're lucky.
3: Yeah, and there are programs in the U.S. that do that as well. Oh, yeah. They have six-year programs, seven-year programs that take in high school students, and I have met those students, and I meet them now, and I'm like, you're so young. Why yeah. are you in medical yeah. school? Right. <laughs> yeah, um, it, because medicine is a field where life experience counts for a lot. It's yeah. how you relate to your patients, right? Right. And you can't do that if all you've done is school. Um, right. It's about making a connection with your patients, and that's kind of really difficult to do um, mm-hmm. if you, you know, if all your knowledge is just book-based. Mm-hmm. So, so eventually, my mom was like, well, you have a cousin from India who went to Kyrgyzstan for medical school. Maybe look into that, since you already have a family member there. So, I started talking to him, and, you know, he gave me a lot of information. I was like, okay, fine, it's a five-year program. I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do it, you know, whatever. uh uh-huh. So, the 2007, I guess, was when I decided to go. Oh, wow. Uh, 2006, sorry. It was 2006 when I went. Sorry, this is, like, a really long story. Oh, no. <laughs> like,
0: we're loving it. it's so <laughs> interesting.
3: Because, yeah. So, I went to Kyrgyzstan. I was there. Um, the first year, you know, it was okay. So, I was on a green card when I went. And and then I, I had turned 18 right when I started medical school. So... You know, usually, your parents apply for citizenship and then you get it automatically if you're under 18. But since I had just turned 18, I had to do it on my own, uh-huh. and then I was like having back and forth for medical school, so I wasn't able to apply. So, th- I guess this is like where my stream of bad luck started, <laughs> and I like my it challenged my sense of self basically. So, I didn't get my citizenship, my entire family were citizens, I was the only one that wasn't. Oh, wow. Um, and then 2008 or 2009, I actually. Didn't do so well in school, so I had to repeat a semester or two, mm-hmm. um, and then I, tuberculosis over there, and so they, like, sent me back home, and they're like, no, you have to get treatment for tuberculosis. Wait, wait, you back.
1: cut, you cut out at so a very important back. part.
3: Yeah. You cut out at a very that.
1: important part, yeah, can you repeat that?
3: Oh, I, um, so there were a couple of semesters where, well, first year was okay, and then second year. It was just supposed to be the hardest year over there. And I was always, like, the smart kid in school, okay. right? So I didn't, like, it really, again, challenged my sense of self. Like, but how am I not doing well in school, you know?
1: Right, yeah.
3: Um, and so that happened. And then the year after, I was like, that's okay, whatever. Like, we're starting over, new year, new year, you know, the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, after summer vacation, 10 days of being there, they told me I had super close Oh shit! Yeah, and then I was like, "What?" But I feel fine. I feel so good. How did they even catch it? Oh my god!
1: How did they even catch it?
3: And they're like, because they do like a medical screening of like everything at the start of every year.
1: Oh okay.
3: Uh, That's and that's where they caught it. And I was and then they were like, "Yeah, we're not gonna let you go into class until you get treated for it." So they sent me back home. Oh my god! Well, I had to. And the tuberculosis treatment is a six-month treatment, right? So they sent me back home, and that meant, you know, missing class. I was falling behind people who I had started school with. Um, And so eventually, whatever I got the treatment, you know, they let me join again. They, you know, the the school was also, like, it was a big hassle just to get all the paperwork done through school. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah I missed a lot and then when I finally did start I was already like a year yeah I was like a year behind Um, and then that year everything I was like okay fine whatever you know forget the past we're moving on (laughs) new (laughs) year new me again and (laughs) and then at the end of that year there was a revolution in Kyrgyzstan but uh, there were like protests all all the streets Mm -hmm. All Indian students or, like, you know, foreign students were told you have to be under, like, house arrest, basically. Like, don't go out in the streets. You can't do anything. and like, okay. Obviously, it was, like, all over the news here in the U.S. as well. So my friends would always be, like, texting me and calling me. They're like, oh, my God, they keep talking about criticism on the news. What's going on? And my family was freaking out. And then they just, so they ended the school year early and they sent us back home. And at that point, yeah. I was like, oh, my God, like, maybe this is not what I'm supposed doing like wow. things just keep going so wrong for me. Right. Um and so when I came back that year, that was 2010, I came parents I was like, I'm not going back. Mm-hmm. I can't do it. Like it's like every year I start out on a really good note and then it ends like really weirdly. Right. You know, things that aren't supposed to happen to first world children.
1: Yeah. yeah.
3: Um <laughs> like a revolution, tuberculosis, like these things don't happen to you know people in America. <laughs> right. So I told my parents, I was like, no, I'm just going to figure out, like, I'm going to take my licensing exam here in the U.S. because you can once you're halfway through your education, medical school. Oh, okay. One step two exam, yeah. So I was like, let me try and do that. And then I ended up getting a job here in the U.S. And so over the next two and a half years, I failed step one twice. And that, again, was a huge blow to me. And I felt, you know, all those feelings that I like, depression and all of that. Mm -hmm. At that time, I was like, it was, again, like, everything's on fire. And I'm like, no, I'm fine.
1: I'm (laughs) fine. (laughs)
3: Um, but, you know, things, yeah, so like those two and a half years were just really, really bad, and mm-hmm. then eventually, at the end of the two and a half years, I was like, <clears throat> I got to high school with, remember now, I graduated high school at 16,
1: right.
3: so they were all like 18, 19 when we graduated from high school, and mm-hmm. they had, it was already like, you know, everybody was financially independent, they were like going through some amazing vacations, Um, they were getting married, they were doing all these things, Mm -hmm. they all had graduated from college, obviously, they were doing master's degrees, and I was here, like, I don't have a bachelor's, (laughs) I haven't finished medical school, I failed my licensing exam. something that, you know, I was, like, I was, you know, your average South Asian honorable student, and (laughs) to have, like, all these failures in my, it it was, it, like, completely tore me down, Mm -hmm. so, I had no idea what I was doing, and then at the end of two and a half years, me and my mom started talking, like, maybe it's time to go back, (laughs) Mm -hmm. maybe it's time to just go finish, because I only had two years left at this point, right? so I was like, you know, maybe it is, maybe it is, and I kept thinking about it, and I kept thinking about it, at first I was like, nope, I'm not going to do it, I can't do it, it's Mm -hmm. not going to happen, and then the more you think about it, the more you try to wrap your head around it, yeah, becoming doable, it becomes possible, it goes from the impossible. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, eventually I got to a point where I was like, okay, I could I could probably do this. I had already you know studied a lot for this exam, so I had a really good base. And that was like one of the things that I struggled with in the beginning when I started first year, because a lot of the other students would come from India. So you know in India they already have a really good medical base mm-hmm. um, when they're done with high school, with 12th grade. And I had gone from like American public school, so they would be in class and you know they would be doing extremely well because they had that background. I would, I'd be like, I don't know what a thyroid is. I'm sorry, yeah, we weren't ever taught that. Right. Um. So now that I had that, you know, I had studied for my licensing exams. I had a pretty good base built in, and I had to teach myself how to study because public school did not prepare me for that. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah. No kidding. I didn't know how to. Sit, I didn't know how to sit there and like read a book and retain information. Mm-hmm. Because even when you study, people have different strengths. Some people do flashcards. I don't do flashcards. Some people rewrite everything. Some people make a lot of notes, which is how I study. I make a lot of notes and then I condense it, condense it, condense it down to like the stuff that I really cannot remember, you know? Yeah. Um, and that took me a long time to figure out. And I feel like when I went to school for 12 years of my life, that was something I should have learned there. Yeah,
1: um, yeah. No kidding. But... <laughs> Makes me
3: so mad. Yeah.
0: It's about to get better.
3: The Public school system does not prepare you for actual skills of any kind, and yay, Betsy Davos is just gonna get worse now. Oh, we she was just um, saying,
1: like, oh my god, <laughs> yeah. this is such
3: okay. a great, yeah. So, when I so then eventually I did go back, and then I finished those two years of, of medical school, I graduated at to the top of my class. Oh,
1: yeah, um, yeah, go you!
3: <laughs> and it wasn't even something I was aiming for, I was just there, I was like just two years, I just need to graduate, and then take my licensing exams again, which is going Mm -hmm. to be my 30th, and, you know, that's it, I'm going to do it this time, for some reason, I was able to refocus, and being there, it was really good, because it's a really beautiful country, um, so, school had gotten a lot easier for me at that point, so I was able to actually take in everything else around me, like the nature, and all those other things, and I was also older, and, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I was probably a year or two older than all the other kids in my class, which wasn't that bad, Mm honestly, um, And so it helped me, like, refocus a lot of my priorities and be like, you know, you don't have to know exactly who you are. It's okay that you're still figuring it out.
1: Yeah, there's no Um, deadline for that.
3: Exactly. And then at that point, I had also started seeing, like, some of my, some of the people I went to high school with were starting to get a divorce. Some of them were like, you know, I don't really know what I want to do with my life. And they would already, like, So I started realizing, like, everybody's life just happens at a different pace. Mm -hmm. And you have to let it happen. You can't. Try to stop it from happening um, because that stuff you don't have control over. Focus on the things that you do have control over, like, you know, mm-hmm. um, sitting down and studying. <laughs> <laughs> like, there are little things that you do have control over and try to do those to the best of your capabilities and let the other things happen. Yeah, it's
1: mm-hmm. the small and victories. Will... Taking in right, the small and then victories. eventually things
3: will fall into place because for some reason that's just how it's supposed to be. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's kind of my educational background that I've been talking.
1: No, I think it was great. I think it's thorough and people, I think when you look at, especially with somebody like you who has this great repertoire and all this, all these things that you're doing, you know, to, to understand your journey of how you got there, it not only just makes you a human because people forget when they see, you know, people that do all these great things that there's a struggle involved with that. There's, you know, a process of overcoming hurdles. So I think it's great that people get to hear that.
3: And there were, and the thing is, in those two and a half years that I wasn't in medical school, that's when I started doing Brown Girl, hmm. oh, you know, okay. yeah, that's yeah. when <laughs> I always knew, I always knew I liked to write. So for me, I was like, I'm going to do Brown Girl as my hobby. And so I started doing Brown Girl and it just snowballed into like this really big thing that became like this really big part of my life. And I realized there wasn't a place that people could go to and talk about their other interests. Like, mm-hmm life was always so serious Mm -hmm. like okay what are you doing next what are you doing next what's gonna happen after that what's gonna happen after that but then like that's not who we are as humans like yeah we all have that serious part of our life with like ambitions and goals but then outside of that we're also you know people are artists people are musicians yeah we're dimensional you can successfully do everything yes you don't have to pick yeah
1: yeah so that's actually like a perfect segue to talk about brown girl So, so how did you get involved in this, the formation of uh, this publication?
3: So when I started Brown, when I started at Brown Girl, um, it was just this blog. Um, and it had, like, a very basic WordPress layout. Um, it had actually started. So I actually started it um, in 2008. And it, she started at UT Austin. Oh, okay. It was for a marketing class project or something like that. Oh no, and then way. people just kept writing, so she just kept it going. That's And insane. then Yeah, so that's I actually heard it from I heard about it from like somebody at UT Austin and I was like, Oh that's so cool and then I went and I looked at all of their writers and I was like, Hey, they don't have anybody Muslim so maybe they'll want me <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah.
3: And so I like wrote an email to you I was like, Hey, I noticed you guys don't have any like Muslim point of view, let me write for you guys and she was like, Okay, yeah, sounds good. And so, I started writing. (laughs) It was very basic. I just want you guys to understand, like, it was, like, very, very basic. And sometimes, like, the best things come out of, like, this inner compulsion to do things, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, we know. (laughs) We
3: can definitely relate to that. Yeah, so never suppress this compulsion. (laughs) Just go with it. Yeah,
1: follow your gut.
3: Exactly, exactly. So, I just, you know, so I started writing, and then eventually... Trisha was already writing at that point. Um, oh, okay. And then eventually we created like a Facebook group. And then me and Trisha started talking. And then somehow I became like an editor on the staff. And then me and Trisha were like, you know, this needs to be like a real business. Like, this needs to be a real thing. I don't know why we're still running it like a blog. It has to happen. Like, it has to run. Like, we have to have journalistic integrity. Like, we have to run it like an actual publication. And then we can, we talked to Aditi about it. And Aditi was like, Okay, yeah, I mean, if you guys are down, let's do it. <laughs> so then we did it. <laughs> and so it's been running since then, it's been getting a lot bigger. The weirdest story so we talked to this new company last night actually about you know switching site posts, um, hosting uh, servers or whatever. And so we called this new company and we're like, Hey, we're looking, you know, we just want to know what your prices and stuff are. Like. She's like, Okay, so what's your website? And we pulled her around, girl, and she's like, really i follow brown girl magazine oh, 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 wow. that's so cool <laughs> i know and i was think like, it just goes to show like how much we've grown in the past couple of years mm-hmm. so um and that's what i was saying it's like yeah those two and a half years were like really really tough for me but mm-hmm. something really like it was this space in my life to let something new come in you know mm-hmm. um I probably wouldn't have ever looked at a brown girl if i just finished medical school, done all my exams back-to-back, back, you know, gone into residency. Now or something, I would probably never have looked at brown girl. Right. Um, but at that very point, for some reason, it was important that I take that time away from medicine, look into my other interests, find brown girl, so that I could be what it is today.
1: Yeah, and I think you guys really tapped into a market that needed a platform like this. You know, I mean we when we were growing up, we had didn't have anywhere to turn. And I've even found myself like looking up specific things like Indian girl this, like brown girl this, and I can't ever find anything. And if you type in Indian girl, it's like Native American. Or if you mm-hmm. type in South Asian, it's like people from China. Like that's not what I'm talking about, you know? And it's I think that this is something that a lot of people need no matter what age range you fall into there's something applicable for everybody
3: and it's not just age range the other really cool thing that we've started to notice is so initially it was just for the US right yeah. it was um, children of basically South Asian immigrants who right. because we have a very different culture here versus you know people growing up in India obviously. Yeah. so it was for a way for us to relate to each other talk to each other and this that are really relevant to all of us in this generation, I guess I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, but the cool thing we've noticed is our experiences aren't just limited to America. There are people just like us in the UK, Canada, um, Singapore, Australia, mm-hmm. even like countries like Africa, even um, Indo Caribbean countries. Like a lot of these people have the same experiences about growing up away from the piece of land that we all kind of come from right Mm -hmm. so there's like this shared experience doesn't matter if you're two three generations away if you're just the first generation away from that experience or if you're seven or eight generations away which is like you know in the uh caribbean right um there's just this shared understanding of who we are or this shared um experience of trying to figure out who we are mm-hmm. when you're you know for me it's like i'm american because this is where i live this is where i see my children growing up right but trying to understand where you come from it and how you know you use that cultural um that that culture that you've inherited and how do you pass it on to you know future generations or even how you kind of integrate it into your own life
1: yeah, like, how do you um, navigate a space like that with your feet kind of teetering on two different cultures? That, that yeah. in itself is really difficult.
3: Exactly. So, using it, it's really, really amazing, and it really blows my mind, because Brown has gotten bigger than even my own understanding, my own mm-hmm. comprehension of what it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so, there's, you know, people in, like, Singapore and Malaysia who who have, like, these really diverse backgrounds they're like oh yeah my mom's actually like my grandfather is like 2 million you know my grandmother is this and it's so different like it's so varied. like I can complete I can trace my um, ancestors back to like one city and be like yeah I have a right there you right. know <laughs> but for them it's like everywhere they're so mixed but we relate still like we still have the same struggles of trying to understand who we are as a person mm-hmm. and the thing is it keeps changing like you know You have different phases in your life, so when you enter the new phase, you have to kind of recalibrate everything when it comes to your understanding of your culture and how you're going to integrate it into your life. So it's, um, and that's a really cool thing, because sometimes I, like, subconsciously would be thinking about something in the back of my mind, like, how does this make sense? How does this actually go with who I am? And then I see, like, somebody write about it on I'm like, that's so crazy. (laughs) Right, yeah.
1: yeah. It's like, this is what I've been trying to process in my head, but I haven't been able to get it out. You know, into something completely Exactly.
3: Coherent. And they, I don't know, like, some of them are just really amazing writers. So like, the way they word it, I'm like, yes, that's yes.
0: exactly <laughs> it. Yeah, there's so many articles where we'll send it to each other and we're like, oh, my gosh, this is what we've been trying to say and someone <laughs> yeah. wrote it for us, you know.
3: <laughs> so we love exactly, that. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And then just, you know, with everything happening with, like, the new presidency, I'm not going to use any names. With the new presidency, it's gotten even more important. Mm-hmm to focus on these things, to talk about who you are as a person, because, yes, it's important to know who you are, but it's also important to be open to understanding who others are, because they're constantly changing as a person as well.
1: Yeah, right. absolutely.
3: Yeah. So, um, but, yeah, so, I mean, Brown Girl, you know, we're still growing, and it's still getting bigger. Right now, I think we have, like, eight or nine editors, so it's gotten, like, pretty big. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and you guys are yeah, all spread always, around
1: the country too. Like, you guys are everywhere because everyone writes remotely. So you've got exactly. like Exactly. So we account. don't have an office. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, it's usually my bedroom.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it's, it, and I'm just really excited to see like where it goes and how things change within what becomes of it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. We're excited to see that as well. <laughs> So um, kind of follow-ups to some of those questions. Sure. We, you know, as somebody, oh, first of all, actually, how do you balance everything in your life? Like you're married, you've got the brown girl stuff going on, you've got the MD stuff going on. Like what, how? Like how do you just, (laughs) how do you do time
3: management? Teach us your ways. Um, So honestly, there are some days where I just have like, paralysis you know when you have too many things to do yes and you're just paralyzed you're like i don't know where to start so i'm just gonna sit here and think about all the things i need to do and (laughs) i start a lot of my mornings like that i won't lie um because i'm like okay i need to do this for this and then that for that and they're all important so i don't know where to start Mm -hmm. and i'm also the kind of person where once i start something i will finish it before moving on to the next thing Mm -hmm. and so i so for me, it's like, well, if I start on that, that's going to take me, like, two hours, you know? So, yeah, a lot of my mornings, I'm just, like, sitting there thinking about all the things I need to do. <laughs> and I don't do anything. So. Really? so, one of the things that's really helped me lately is... And you guys are going to think I'm so hipster. Or <laughs> <laughs> it's bullet journaling. Oh, mm-hmm. nice. So, I don't that's know good. if you guys have seen oh. that. Yeah. 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 And the way I do bullet journaling, it's not how do it, like, I don't have all that artistic handwriting or anything like that. Mine right. is purely functional. So what I do is I create a page, and because uh, my energy levels fluctuate so much on a daily basis, I don't do, like, okay, so today, I need to have all of this done. Mm-hmm. So, Monday through Sunday, I'm like, okay, at the end of this week, I want to have all of these things done. So that helps me, like, every day focus on, like, two to three things that I think are important, right? Mm-hmm. So, I will create different lists. So I'll be like, for brown girl... These are all the things I need to do Um, for, you know, my MD related stuff. So like studying, this is all the stuff that I need to do. -hmm. Um, And then just, you know, like, okay, like we just recently moved into an apartment. So I was like, okay, we have to get our electricity turned on. (laughs) You know, (laughs) like things like that.
1: Yeah. Uh, We
3: have to get Wi-Fi. That was number one. Mm -hmm. So things like that. And then like, I'll just have like a couple of different other lists as well. Mm -hmm. So like things like Wi-Fi is just a phone call, right? Like you just call up in and I comes hey, when are you guys at Right. So I will create like a weekly spread like that in my bullet journal. And that way every morning when I, where I'm i starting to have like that paralysis, mm-hmm. I'll just start writing things down into different mm. lists. Yeah. Um, once it's written down, it helps kind of compartmentalize me. So then when I look at it, I'm like, well, I can do that right now. That's very easy. Let me mm. just start with that. Mm-hmm. Nice. And so I just started going through uh, things. And eventually it's how, somehow at the end of the week, I have most of it done yeah so that really really helps um I really um encourage doing that because mental health wise when you have so much going on it can really weigh down on you
1: yeah a hundred percent
3: it just becomes so overwhelming
1: otherwise
3: yeah and you're like I don't know why I'm doing all of this it's not like making me happy you know right Yeah. (laughs) so when you write things down having them in front of you I don't know what it does but it's like makes it so much easier to do mm-hmm. yeah because in your head you might be thinking like about the same thing three different times and it just sounds like so much but when you write it down you're like oh but that's just it like I just need to make that one like, phone call yes. and it's done right you know so it just simplifies the process a lot so that's something I really encourage and tell a lot of people about when they ask me how I do everything I'm like trust me like it's super simple you just do it <laughs> <laughs> write it down and then do it and then when you work it off you're like yes yes I did. right
1: we uh recently <laughs> invested in passion planners and uh-huh. they are amazing if people are looking for good planners um i don't know if you've if you've seen them or heard of them but they're like they break down every day by half an hour they give you a work to-do list a personal to-do list um and it gives you like a quote that you should be working on for the week good things that happen to you like to do it's just amazing
0: and they have goals um for every week And then they also have weekly and monthly reflections so it'll say like what was the best thing that happened what do you want to happen next month Mm -hmm. and so it's a really great like i've kind of already started using it as a scrapbook yeah so if i have like a sticky note that i have like everything on instead of rewriting i'll just like put it on there so it adds color or it just like makes it more Uh fun because i want to look at my planner now i'm so bad at keeping planners but once shama got this one i was like yes i have to buy one
1: (laughs) yeah and it gives you like a three-year plan a six-month plan And it's helped us a lot with scheduling and things too.
3: It's really just finding the perfect tool that works for you. Mm -hmm. But I highly encourage writing things down. Mm -hmm. Even if it's just a scrap piece of paper, just take it and just start writing like everything that's running through your head. Mm -hmm. Because when people like you guys too, and I think most of the millennial generation is like this. We all multitask so much. (laughs) Yeah. it's really helpful to just take a like a piece of paper and just write things down, like everything that's running through your head. And sometimes, you know, I feel manic because of how many thoughts are running through my head. And then once I write it down, like that's it. Like my brain just, he's like okay, you got this. You're like, <laughs> got it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really weird. Mm-hmm. Like I'll wake up in the morning. I'm like, I gotta do this. I gotta do this. I gotta do this. I gotta do this. And my brain is like, it keeps nudging me. <laughs> yeah. And then once I just start writing it down, he, he like shuts up. He's like, all right, just get started.
1: <laughs> yeah. There you go.
3: It's uh, weird that
1: my brain he. I know. I was gonna say that. I was like, I like that you referred to it as a he. That's funny. <laughs> that was, that's the first time.
3: That's the first time I know. Now I have to I go therapy for right. this.
1: We're unlocking some truths in here. <laughs> uh, so, as someone who aims to promote empowerment within other women or men, you guys do segments for Brown Boy. What empowers you uh-huh. and what makes you feel strong?
3: Um. What makes me feel strong? Mm-hmm. Honestly, it's being around like-minded people who just, you know, push you a step further. Um, like, sometimes you'll, like, sit with a group of people and you'll be like, you know, it would be so awesome if we could do this, if we could do that, or I really want to do this, you know? Mm-hmm. And then the person in front of you is like, all right, so how are you going to do it? All right, how can you make it bigger? You know?
0: Yeah. Just so important, I think, for everyone to have
3: yeah exactly and you know that's how I know I connect with the person is when I'm sitting there talking to them and like they're like blowing my mind because you know Mm -hmm. I'm getting like epiphanies or like they're like one-upping me on my ideas or they're like how do you make it bigger you know how do you make it more impactful Mm -hmm. they're asking like those important questions that you don't ask yourself Mm -hmm. um I'm kind of so I because of all the studying that I do I'm kind of an introvert I don't really go out that much I don't really have that many friends outside of Maybe my two friends from middle school. <laughs> yeah. um, so, and that's kind of one of the things, because I feel like there's not too many people out there who can relate with me either. Um, I've sat down and talked to some old friends where I was like, oh yeah, so, you know, I am applying for residency this year, and then I'm also doing Brown Girl, and then I just started a, you know, a new editor-in-chief position for this Muslim publication. And they're like, what are you doing with your life? Like, why are you all over the place? You know, <laughs> why do
1: people think that that's that stability that like doing the one thing and just
3: being, yeah. I mean, I get it, so you like, know,
1: but it just feels like complacency, though. Exactly. And I was
3: just like, I mean, I don't have an answer for you, but like this makes me not want to talk about the stuff that I do with you, obviously. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, and so like, and that's kind of like the Houston, at least I guess the people I went to high school with and stuff, that's a lot of what their lives are, you know? Right they do like the one thing in their life and they're happy with that okay. and that's good for them I'm not saying you know that's a bad thing but it's just like I can't find too many people to relate to so I just don't socialize very much over here
1: it's, um I think what's helpful is it, it I mean from our experience you know when you're doing something like brown girl or like with us with the show you attra- you are like automatically start attracting more like-minded people and so you <laughs> have so much more in common you have so much more and it almost validates these thoughts that you think like this is crazy this is never going to work and then to have people on your team that are so excited about it, that's kind of what makes the difference. And you're able to separate like, you know, what what drives you and what you want out of life, which is, I think, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. And
3: then the other thing I've noticed is like the like minded people will seek me out, you know, yeah, yep. like they'll go out of their way to connect with me or find a way to talk to me. I don't. Obviously, like I mentioned, I don't go out very much, but when I am somewhere, they'll like find me and they'll come and talk to me, and mm-hmm. that like goes a really long way. And then, like, the other thing is just when I'm sitting with like a group of strangers and I talk about like it would be really cool to do this or that, you know, it's when you immediately get that collaborative feel from them mm-hmm. instead yeah. of like trying to shoot me down, kind of, you know?
0: Yeah.
3: yeah. Mm-hmm. So, totally. Um, That's one of the things that empowers me. And then, obviously, the other thing is, you know, just Having your family encourage you, even like the one two words that they say, because always South Asian families are very big on encouraging. <laughs> um, but sometimes, you know, like I don't know, my mom was like, "Oh, you could be the governor, can't you?" Even though you you weren't born here, And I was like, "Yeah, I could." And so, like, just her saying that, like indirectly, it meant like you know, she yeah. thinks she sees like those qualities in me or something. Like you know, just like the little things they they will say it really, it really helps you feel like, okay, I'm doing a lot of stuff. It's crazy, but it's going to fall into place one day. Like it'll all come together somehow. Mm -hmm.
1: Right. Exactly.
3: And my family supports me. So that's really cool. And then obviously, you know, having a really supportive partner. So which is my husband, I don't. Yeah.
1: Oh, you can go ahead. I was going to say that's a perfect transition (laughs) because I wanted to talk about your marriage and um, how that happened as well.
3: Oh yeah that's another long story
1: (laughs) I told you we had so Uh, much to cover with you we needed a whole full episode and a half really yeah so my
3: husband is really supportive of everything I do I don't think he even fully understands it or grasps it so my husband (laughs) just moved from India two months ago Um, and you know India like obviously that's where that conventional thinking comes from where you only do one thing in your life Um, but he sees me do a lot throughout the day and he kind of understands everything that I do mm-hmm. and he asks a lot of questions like so is this what you're doing is that what you're doing and he's always supportive about that which is really, it's really important honestly mental health wise um, because if the one person that you're living with <laughs> day in and day out does not get you it's really tough to actually keep doing all of that Right. Um, yeah just having mm. a good support system
1: Yeah, for sure. So you guys hadn't, I I, like, this is really interesting because I have friends who um, have grown up in the United States. Like you know, they've come here for school or whatever and they love the idea of having an arranged marriage. And that's kind of the route that they're planning on going. And that's how you and your husband met. So can you kind of talk about that and how your decision came to be and uh, yeah, what the process has been like for you?
3: Um, okay, so I did think I would have an arranged marriage even though I did like I don't know.
0: Yeah um, I always knew that's all my parents wanted
3: for me, but then at the same time I was like no, let me try and find Yeah, so he was this. Is, like, I would just like say something. I would like make, pick on something small and like make it into a bigger deal than it mm-hmm. is. Right. And yeah. I would say, like, yeah, so he's not right. He's not going to work out, you know? Right. And so I was like, okay, that's fine. Let's just keep looking, you know? Right. Yeah. I don't know how she was like that because my mom is kind of like really controlling. So I don't know why in that way she was very open to it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe because of all the things I had. With my education, she figured like it was the best way to let me kind of figure it out. I don't know what it was. I should have asked it down and asked (laughs) her someday. But that was really, it was really helpful to know that I could say no to somebody, you know?
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yes, you have. And then,
3: um, so my husband had actually spoken with my mom. It had already been like six to eight months since they had talked on the phone. Oh my gosh. And my mom hadn't said anything because, so my husband's a year younger than me. And my mom's like, no, that's not. So she hadn't mentioned him to me. She hadn't given him any response either. She had just like left him hanging.
1: (laughs) She ghosted him.
3: Yeah, basically, man. Savage. (laughs) Yeah. So, and then I was here for like my winter break or something like that, and she showed me like profiles of a couple of guys she's always got, and one of them Mm -hmm. was him. And for every guy, I wouldn't, like, be like, oh, no, this is what's wrong with him or whatever right off the bat. I would be like, okay, well, whatever, I'll talk to him and then see. Because I knew the way, like, I would be so flaky that they would just, like, lose interest or something. Right. Or it would, like, piss them off. One of the two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, she showed me. I was like, yeah, okay, whatever, go ahead. Give them my email. You know, we'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times what happens is guys will talk to your parents, like, on websites like these. They'll talk to your parents really nicely, but then the second they tell them to talk directly to the girls, they won't take the initiative. That's oh. so weird.
1: Um, why?
3: Yeah, it is. And then, like, so there was this one guy that I clearly remembered that annoyed me so much. <laughs> he he literally asked me, like, three questions, and then he was like, why do you want to get, wait to get married? And I was like, because I'm still in medical school. What the heck? Like I would like to graduate before I get married, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Red flag. Um and I was in medical school in like this random country. Like it's not like I can be married until you know? Like yeah, it's just Yeah. Yeah. And he literally just asked me three questions before that. And I was like, Yeah, mm-hmm. you're not gonna work. But... Mm-hmm. <laughs> um so the interesting thing about my husband is so I would do like the twelve hour thing on WhatsApp to reply to him and <laughs> every time like it never affected him, it never fades him. Every single day he would like message me at around the same time and say salam so like oh. Aww. And I love that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'd be like like I am like so rude to this person and like <laughs> like clockwork, every single day he'll at least say salam so regardless right. of like whether I answer or I don't answer, you know? It doesn't matter to him. Yeah. So I don't know, I really like that consistency and I really like like how cool and minded he was. Mm. Um and like this is stuff I picked I picked up from our WhatsApp conversation. So like you have to understand, like how much he exudes that like cool mindedness, mm-hmm. and so it was like a complete opposite of who I am. And then I don't know, like it, like right off the bat, we just kind of figured that we worked somehow. Mm-hmm. I honestly don't know how these things work out. But just like you know the way my life has worked out, I figured something like that.
1: Yeah. Um, Accurate.
3: You know, whatever you believe in this external source that's just like pushing you into things that you're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Like, and you just have to be open to those opportunities. Um, and that's so, yeah, so awesome I,
1: like, that he's supportive of, like, how independent you are and you kind of doing your thing with all this other stuff going on all the time.
3: Yeah, and, you know, I told him that. I was, like, you know, I'm really busy. So I was in medical school and still doing brown girls. So right. I told him, like, I'm really busy. Like, I don't really have time to, like, reply to you. Like, I was really rude <laughs> now that I think of it. <laughs> and he was, like, that's fine. Just, you know, whenever you have time, just... You can We can talk whenever you have time or whatever. Um, And so I was like, that's really cool because most guys also, once again, generalizing here, but they also try to be controlling, like, no, I want to talk to you right now. You have to talk to me right now. Yeah. You know? Totally. That, that had been something that had kept happening, and I was not okay with that. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he was like, yeah, okay, whatever, it's, whenever you want to talk, we can talk. Oh. So... It's really weird, but even before we met, we knew we wanted to get married. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I think it was because we had to come into that, knowing that that was what we were looking for.
1: Right, that's yeah. the ultimate end game with this.
3: Exactly. And then at the same time, it was just the, when we talked and stuff, we... So he grew up in Delhi his whole... Like, he's never been outside of India his whole life. And me, like, I've mm. lived in, like, all these... Different country Mm -hmm. but at the same time like at the core we were the same you know yeah so it's just like how can you have like completely different upbringings at the core be the same and you know not it's not meant to be Mm -hmm. right yeah so I think that was one of the things that we're like obviously it's so I've heard some someone else say this it's like when you meet the other person that you are going to spend your life with I don't know about a soulmate or whatever but when it's somebody who you're meant to be with, it's like looking in a mirror, oh. right? Oh and I mean God. that, like, it reflects your inner self Yeah. in the other person, yeah. Shama's and... crying right now. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, that makes sense. Like, that totally makes sense. Because when you think of it, like, and when I go to Delhi and I live with this family, their family is so different from mine. Mm-hmm. Um, their whole culture is so different from, like, what I'm used to. But then when it's just me and him, it's like, we're the same you know? Yeah. So, it's just, it was just really, um, I mean, I don't know how to explain it. That's the best I can. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was so, freaking beautiful. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I like believe in love again now.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like what, once we realized that, I mean, so once we realized that, like I told my mom and then my mom was like, no, I no, but he's gonna be, No, I no, know. But he's lived in India his whole life. Like, how is he going to come here? And like, I'm like, she had, like, all these other doubts that she kept, like, um, you know, bringing up. And I was like, okay, but I finally like somebody that mm-hmm. you, you know, um, that you referred to me, basically. Right. <laughs> uh, and I was like, no, no, no. I mean, if I actually like somebody who I've never met, this has to be something real. And mm-hmm. then something happened. I don't know what. She talked to her family members, like her brother and sisters, so and Something happened, kind of changed her mind. And then within three months of us, starting talking on the phone, me and my mom, like, overnight decided to go to Delhi and meet this family.
0: Wow. That's awesome. And then
3: we went and we spent, like, 10 days with this family, and, like, everything was perfectly okay. And then once again, like, I was worried about the cultural differences, Mm -hmm. but nothing was an issue. Everything was just so perfect and smooth. And so that's when, like, you know, the parents sat down, they're like, okay, so, yeah, everything's good. We should, you know, eventually get them married, whatever. (laughs) I still had six months of medical school left at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, the day we... So, it was July 29th when we landed in India to meet for the first time. And then, somehow, it also worked out that our wedding day was on July 29th. Oh, Oh my gosh.
0: gosh. That's
3: Um, crazy. We didn't plan that at all. It's just, like, that was the only date the wedding hall was available in India. And then, um, also, like, so... We were there for 10 days when we met the first time, and then I didn't meet him again until our wedding day. Oh my
1: gosh, no kidding. So, wow. Yeah, like I think about it, I'm like, that's so crazy, but you
3: know what? It's
1: that's also exciting, good. though. I mean, we talked
3: on the phone and everything, and we would Skype and stuff, but yeah. we didn't meet in person until our wedding day. Oh wow. My gosh. Um, yeah, and so, and then, you know, I had all of my exams to take. I'd taken like three of my steps for my licensing exams, and then he finally came here. And then finally, we moved out into our own apartment. So you guys are all up to date
0: now.
3: (laughs) As of of last week, we've moved into our own place. Yay! Congratulations.
0: (laughs) So exciting. Thank you.
3: Thank you.
1: It's been quite a long journey, it sounds like. So I'm sure you guys are relieved.
3: Yeah, it has been a really long journey, journey. But at the same time, I'm just like when I look back on, like, all the things I had to go through, because when my husband first came two months ago, everybody's like, yeah, it took me one year to get my first decent job. It took me a year and a half to get a first decent job. Mm-hmm. And for him, like, thank God, like, Marshall, I don't want to nether him or anything like that. But it's only been two months, and he's gotten his first job, like, good job in his field. Oh, and, yeah. you know, like, all, by all senses of, like, the immig- being a new immigrant, he's settled in America now. Oh, so. Cool. When I look back, I'm like, you know, maybe I struggled enough in my life trying to figure out what I was trying to do, mm-hmm. figuring out my career, that he didn't have to do that. Or Yeah. You know, it's just like I look back and everything and I'm like, if things had worked out differently, I'm sure things right now would be so, so, so different. Right. Yeah.
1: Totally. So, so with all of that, like being in a new marriage, kind of balancing all these hobbies along with your work and your day-to-day schedule... What are some things that you do to take care of yourself? What is what are things that are part of your self care routine, if you have one, or things you would so like to Right remember? now,
3: when I look at my life and like everything I'm doing, I completely love everything I'm doing. Right? Yeah. And I know that's not something that a lot of people can say. Mm-hmm. So, I love doing Brown Girl. I love, you know, my medical field. Even though it was something that my parents told me, and I had to find a way to love it. Mm-hmm. It took some time, but once I did, like, I love that, you know, I'm in this field where I'm going to be helping people. And I think, at the, like, at the core of who I am, that's something that I always want, is to help people. Mm-hmm. So, it just works out perfectly. And, like, honestly, like, everything that I do, like, even, like, moving into a new place, like, that's so amazing, like, I love every single facet of my life right now. And so that really helps. Yeah. But there are, there are things that you just have to do because you have to do it to get, like there are things that you have to suffer through to get to the good end result. Right. Absolutely. Um, And that's kind of what I tell myself. Um, And taking like one of the big things that I do is like take lessons from other successful people Mm -hmm. and their struggles. Right. I'm like, um, I mean, you know, you can look at a lot of people like over free, obviously, like Steve Jobs. There's, or even like successful people in your own thing. Like, look at their lives, look at how they've struggled. And you have to realize, like, the only thing that is consistent, that's consistently going to happen in your life is change.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So if you hate where you are right now, trust me, that's going to change. And if you love where you are right now, that's also going to change. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's so, kind of the
1: beauty of it, but
3: it could change for like, even better. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, mm-hmm. that's the one thing that I like know is going to happen no matter what, and mm-hmm. so that gives me hope. So if I'm doing something that I really, really don't like, I tell myself like, this is going to change eventually. Either I'll start loving it, or it'll end, and it'll bring me to something even better.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Um. And there's just a couple of different models in my life. Like I don't do stuff for like. I know we live in this world with, like, social media and stuff, but I don't do stuff to, like, show off to people, like, mm-hmm. what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. If you guys follow me on social media, you'll see, like, I never really talk like, so this is what I did today. Right. This is you know, how amazing my life is or whatever. Right. Because I hate that. I don't – and I hate seeing it from other people too because there are things in people's lives that aren't that perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, when you show them this really, like, perfect picture – picture a perfect life of yours it's not helping anybody like what what is the benefit of that Right. other than making yourself feel good just enjoy what you're doing and that'll make you feel good too Mm -hmm. so I don't know there's just like a lot of these like little things in my life that I do to keep my sanity basically Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm all about the work I believe in the the results if I'm doing something that I know is going to benefit a lot of people I don't go around saying like What I'm doing is gonna benefit all of you. I'll just do the work, and then when I see the results, that's what makes me happy. Right. I I I believe, like at the end of the day, it's about the work that you're doing. So be focused on what you're doing and enjoy that. Mm -hmm. Um. But yeah, it's honestly like you just need to pick on pick out like these little things in your life that you want to focus on and just keep working on it. Forget everything else
0: because
3: there's always going to be news. There's just always going to be people saying like, "What are you doing with your life You know. <laughs> right, yeah. But you just have to find the stuff that you love to do. I think I went up topic. No, no, <laughs> no, it was perfect. <laughs> you're perfect. We love you. <laughs> we were,
0: I don't know, for the past what hour and a half or so, we've been so emotional just listening to your story and how you're still so humble. And, and positive you, yeah and you are one of those people that can brag about the shit that you do but you don't which makes it so much more beautiful that you actually are doing the things because you want to do them mm-hmm. not to get the likes on social media or not to prove anyone wrong or whatever you know so that's I think I think that's a so
3: personality weird. flow because I've had times and I like so I sat so down with like people and they're like oh my god I can't believe you're doing this that's so amazing and then I was like yeah, but I failed my exam twice. Oh. I actually passed it. And I'll be like, oh, okay. And then, like, at the end of the conversation, they start, like, putting me down. Right. Like, oh, yeah, but you failed, right? You failed, right? Or something like that. And so, like, I don't know, maybe it's a personality fault.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah. This one you're talking about? No. Did you want to ask this one?
3: Yeah, I
0: mean, I felt like I missed the moment to do that. We can backtrack. It's okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. um... And I had a good segue too, when she was saying it.
3: Um, <laughs> Maybe so you can edit it back in there. I don't yeah, know. yeah, I think.
0: I'll probably do that. we will use her magic to <laughs> make it flow in the
3: conversation.
0: <laughs> no one will ever know.
1: Or I'm just okay. going to leave it in here and leave this whole conversation as part of it. Please
0: don't. That's my favorite thing to do. Like, hey,
3: make me sound cool, okay? Yeah.
0: I know, that's all I hope. And then we end up just stout- sounding like spazzes. but then people love that shit. They eat that up. <laughs> That I love. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to ask: um, Is there any specific person, or multiple people, or an organization that inspires you creatively and/or career-wise, and the different paths that you've taken that you tend to go back to look at? You know, like there's this one Steve Jobs um, commencement speech that he did at Stanford, and it went on. Um, it went viral for. I think that year and then it keeps coming back and I keep watching that and I'm like, hell yeah, like this motivates me so much. And then I forget about it again, but at least like that's that one thing that I go back to and just like look at, like, are there people in your life or um, like, what's the word? I don't want to say celebrity, but like famous figures that inspire you in that way. Um, you know, honestly, there
3: isn't just one person and, I, so something that I try to do is, no matter who it is, who I meet, I will try to, like, pick up on their good things, you know? Mm-hmm. And I try to, like, focus in on their struggles. Um, honestly, the biggest inspirations in your life can be your own relatives. Like, sit down mm-hmm. and talk to your own relatives. Mm-hmm. They'll tell you about the struggles that they went through. And then, because right now, like, we see our older relatives, right, like, on Um, even extended family and we're like oh they have so much money you know Mm -hmm. oh they have like this nice car like you see them as like fully formed people but if you sit down and talk to them they'll tell you and they want to talk about it because it's so (laughs) you know um, so arranged marriages back then like they didn't really look at compatibility in any way Yeah. so a lot of the things that like our parent generations have is like they're not able to fully connect with their spouses and for them like it's just like matter-of-fact thing, like, that's just how it is, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess that's what's different with us. Like, we need that 100% connection with our spouses. Um, so they don't have that. So when, like, you, you sit and ask them about their like, personal things, they actually want to talk about it. They don't have anyone to talk to about that stuff with, you know? Um. So, yeah, just go to, like, your really successful family members and just sit down and ask them, like, so how was it when first came to America? Hmm. What were some of your downfalls? Like, what were the things that you learned the most from? And yeah. those things, like, it helps you because these are people you've seen your entire life, you know, these are people you've aspired to your whole life. Mm-hmm. And then you hear about, like, oh, when they first came to America, they only had $20 in their pocket, they were homeless, or whatever. You're like, wow. And then from that, you became this,
0: mm-hmm.
3: you know. Yeah, definitely. And it's just so close to home, like, versus, like, somebody like Steve Jobs. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. just so close to home that you're, like, if It's they can relatable do it, I can do it. Like, yeah. if they can become who they are now, I can become who I am now, you know? Absolutely. It's, for me, like, I think that's the biggest thing. And I try to pick up on that from everybody. Lately, I've actually started thinking more about how my parents dealt with coming to the U.S. Um Mm -hmm. with four little kids like even though I was there the whole time like I think I'm at a stage now where I can look at it a little bit differently um because when you're a kid you're like whatever my parents are with me they'll take care of me it's okay
0: yeah but (laughs) now I think
3: back I I try to put myself in like my mom's Mm shoes and I'll be like wow like that must have been so crazy to be like I am responsible for four little kids under the age of 15. And
0: we totally take that and for granted and forget their struggle. And <laughs> forget their people. Exactly. Yeah, we yeah.
3: forget their struggle. We're like, yeah, I was there. I remember how it was. You know? right, but right. It's just like the difference in the way you look at it. Because, yeah, you were there, but at the same time, you were like, you know, it's my parents. They're going to take care of me. They're not going to like put me out on the street or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But now when I think about it, I'm like, to be responsible for four little kids, you know, who are like your blood and, not have the financial needs, like, my mom tells me about the times, like, their baby count from zero, and I think about mm-hmm. that now, I'm like,
1: it's so crazy, Yeah, you to know? Yeah, this whole family be supporting, like, to be supporting the whole family and have that happen, that's wild.
3: Yeah, and so, it just, like, yeah, so that's honestly the most inspiring thing you can do for yourself, is just sit down and talk to these yeah. family members and just learn about their lives, mm-hmm. and trust me, it won't take long for them to just start, like, Telling you everything,
1: right? Yeah, just you have just have to open up that conversation.
3: Yeah, exactly. You just have to ask them, and they'll tell you, and they'll probably love you a lot more. At the end of it, you'll probably get something really good out of it too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, awesome. yeah, I would definitely really encourage people doing that, and it just helps to know who you're surrounded by, like the reality of the people around you, because
0: eventually you're going
3: to get to that point too, where you're going to be like, "Oh, I'm like this super professional." done it all you know Mm -hmm. I I have everything like set for me but you also know how to break out of that eventually and open up to other people you know
0: -hmm. yeah for sure
3: so that really helps
0: that was a good little break um this is a part of the episode that we like to play a little this or that (laughs) type game that we have so brilliantly named this or that which I'm sure all of you are familiar with because I know you all (laughs) listen to every single episode (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. What they say, what they say. Huh, huh, huh. What they tell you I was done wrong? Huh, that I'm a long way from home? Huh, that if I do it i will be alone? Huh. Well now I'm coming for the fucking throne. huh And now I'm coming for the crown, and I'm coming for your doubts and your spouse. When well, I'm pulling down a blast and I'm burning down your head What you gonna do now? They calling me a brand boy loss Huh. When I'm done, they gon' love me for these motherfucking brand boy thoughts
0: all right, so Athia, we have five questions for you. Uh, this Sorry. or that, coffee sure. or tea. You just answer them as quickly as you can, and we will go from there. <laughs> Let's do it. Print or blog
1: for writing. Print. Yeah, like Meg, man- like a hard There's magazine. just something really nice
3: about. Yeah, there's just something really nice about having like print copies. We
1: were saying that, too, when yeah. we were, like, t- thinking about these questions. Like, there's something so nice about, like, holding a book instead of scrolling through something.
3: And, like, seeing your name in print like, <laughs> in your hands Ooh, it's just so tangible yes.
0: mm-hmm. and real. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Barbecue or Indian food?
3: Indian food, because I am somebody, even though I'm headed the, and heather body culture is really, really well-known for, like, meat dishes.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh-huh. I am somebody who loves vegetarian food. Mm, I nice. will
1: choose vegetarian over meat any day. Yeah. Yes. I love it. So.
3: kurti or a tunic?
1: Oh. <laughs> There's always one that studies everyone.
3: <laughs> Wait, what's the difference? So say, well,
1: when I think kurti, I think more like of the Indian style. When I think tunic, I think more Western style. So like that's what like
0: they would yeah. call like a longer shirt, you know. Or maybe even if you want to think of it as like bedazzled or casual, maybe. Yeah. Because you're not wearing a tunic oh, okay. to a party or like.
3: Then I guess a tunic, but I wear a lot of gritty on jeans.
0: Okay. Yeah. Kind
3: of my go-to style. Oh nice. Um, <laughs> so if I can find like gritty looking stuff in American stores, I will buy it. But <laughs> nice. My sister-in-law, my husband's sister, actually sews a lot. She sews really well, so she oh, makes how these really cool. cool gritty types. Yeah, that I wear on jeans.
0: Awesome. So I didn't answer that correctly. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We'll accept it. Houston or New York?
3: Okay, Houston. And I know exactly why. So I went to New York. <laughs> I went to New York and I was just like, why is everything so small and close and cramped and old?
1: <laughs> <laughs> like and Houston, better. like, we're so
3: small here. Like, everything's so big and spacious. Like, it's just, and everything's brand new. And, like, <laughs> there's, Everywhere. And yeah, so Houston
1: for that. Reason. <laughs> right. uh, croissants or scones?
3: Croissants. I like nice. that with my chai. Good yes. answer. <laughs> Good answer.
1: There was a right and wrong answer to that, and you did choose correctly. You passed. Because
3: yeah. <laughs> um, we're like- at chai tea party? I just got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Huh, huh, huh. What they tell you I was done wrong huh? That I'm a long way from home huh? That if I do it I'll be alone huh? Well now I'm coming for the fucking throne uh? And now I'm coming for the crown And I'm coming for your doubts and your spouse When well, I'm pulling down a blast and I'm burning down your head What you gonna do now? They calling me a brand boy loss huh. When I'm done they gonna love me for these motherfucking brand boy thoughts Why huh. they hate cause they be
1: Uh, one other thing we love to ask our guests is, what is one physical as well as something that is non-physical about you that you love?
3: Physical
1: and
3: non-physical. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's
1: hard. Yeah, I don't think that we think um, about it as enough. I think, like, you know, we tend to be hard on ourselves. Yourself. <laughs> I love
0: myself, and I love talking about myself. <laughs> Classic narcissist. <laughs> That's yeah. what my therapist says. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, physical. I have to really think about that because, like, there's – it's so easy to be, like, um, very destructive when it comes to, like, your physical
1: mm-hmm.
3: aspect, right? So, right. I don't know. I guess, like, I have really small hands and feet, which mm-hmm. so I kind of really like. So I don't know why, but I like that they're small—small small hands and feet. Oh, <laughs> oh it's okay. <laughs> but I think that's like very common with like Indian girls. But um, no, I have big feet.
1: Yeah. I have big feet too, and I have really weird hands.
3: Really? Yeah. yeah I just like that I have like really small hands and feet because it's like I always find like
0: gloves in my size because <laughs> <laughs> I am a
1: doctor. <laughs> so. It's the small victories, like we talked about. Take Hat, it. Small.
3: Yeah. <laughs> So, and like, I would hate if I, like, put on gloves and they, like, ripped or something. And I've seen it happen to people. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah,
1: that would not be good. <laughs>
3: um, so, I like that. And then non-physical. I, I really like my ability to multitask. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is something that I compare with, like, the way guys do things. And I think that's why I think my brain is a key. Because the way guys will do things is, like, if they're doing one thing... That's the one thing that they focus on, right? <laughs> right. And then they do the next thing. Yeah. I can, like, I in the kitchen, finish publishing an article, and do laundry at the same time. And that's, like, a woman thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, like, our ability to be able to multitask different aspects of our lives all at once, you mm-hmm. know? It just makes me so much more efficient. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I really like that I have that capability. Thank you for this very free uh, therapy session. Um, hey, <laughs> we didn't say it was free.
0: We're going to bill you. <laughs>
3: uh, thank you for letting me just talk about myself.
0: Oh, you're welcome. We do it enough ourselves. We let our guests do it
3: every time. Oh <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, this is awesome. I loved it. Oh, yeah. am oh, so go good. Ahead. We did too. Yes.
0: <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. We'll talk All to you right. soon. Take
3: care.
0: You too. Bye. Bye. I don't, I know. I know. If you like Brown Girl magazine, Shameless Plugs,
3: or Hustler Indian Girl,
0: share this with someone you like or don't like, someone who inspires you, someone who can't
3: multitask. Or someone
2: who believes that life is in one-dimensional. Thanks for listening. Cheers! Yeah. <laughs> Perfect! Why is it so hard? So I gave it my heart and my soul. And what do you know they wanna follow it? Maybe not all of them, but I ain't ever care where the models went, where to go, where the finals is. I'm just trying to break the mold for the brown kids. Maybe show them you could go where you wanna dig. You ain't gotta know it all, you just gotta live. And okay, no mind to what they hollering. See where we come from, they steal our dreams from us. If we Bring trust, dedication, a belief that you make love, and understanding that you might not make much. But you're here for more than what they say. Stay woke. Even if they all choke, stay woke. Even if you lose hope, stay woke. Don't you give them that rope, cause they know you could be much more, they know.
3: We did it! Yay! You guys, uh, right? I, should, I should be on this podcast more often. Either. You should oh, say it. Really <laughs> There's still so many things I want
0: you to talk
1: I know. Like, I could just hear you talk forever. I feel yeah. like I learned a lot today. Mm-hmm. And I feel really inspired to go get shit done today. I, yeah. <laughs>